0: Let's listen keenly and observe this group fondly known as the
2: Iron Fist and the Velvet Glove.
0: Yes, dear listener, we're back. This podcast is, uh, it's just, it's interrupting yet another argument we were having over Spiked and the merits of it. (laughs) We'll return to that after the podcast because you guys have heard enough of that sort of nonsense over the years. This is the Iron Fist and the Velvet Glove podcast. We're up to episode 293 close to 300 Have to do something special um, This is a podcast We talk about news and politics Sex and religion And people wanking In the Parliament House Apparently That's what we'll be talking about I've Trev- been
1: near the Parliament
0: House <laughs> <laughs> I'm Trevor A.K.A. The Iron Fist Paul the Twelfth Man
1: Greetings Earthlings
0: Shay Still without a pseudonym Yes, hello <laughs> Joe the Tech Guy Evening all Yes, dear listener Oh yeah. It's been an ongoing theme for the last few weeks. It's about uh, behaviour in our Parliament House, uh, power by men over women, uh, sexual shenanigans amongst our political leaders. Um, And yes, the bombshell yesterday, it's just one thing after another, isn't it? So let's just launch straight into it. (laughs) Because uh, on Monday we had allegations of a Liberal male staffer. Masturbating on a female MP's desk and recording his performance for friends. We heard of MPs buying sex and exchanging an exchange, oh, sorry, and the exchange occurring in a special room in the house intended for prayer. We heard of sex acts the reporter declared unfit to broadcast, performed in Parliament House by Liberal staffers. Joe, you made the comment earlier that. um,
2: look if if that was the thing that was going on in the prayer room, that's probably the best used for it as long <laughs> as it's consenting adults. <laughs> um I guess i mean
0: we just when is this gonna stop mm. with these revelations Shay, your impressions when you heard it
3: i um I was actually in disbelief, mm. yeah, so. Uh, I think I, the first thing I saw was um, something on the Batuta Advocate mm-hmm. and thought, oh, I think they're taking these jokes too far. Yeah. And then <laughs> I was like, Googled it and was like, oh, my goodness. Yep,
0: no, the story's broken. Yeah,
3: the story.
0: I think I was the same. I think I had the same reaction. It was like, surely not, but I better, yes. Pe- I better check. Yes, It's true. So I wonder things like that was kept quiet as long, like with everything going mm. on, the f- it's amazing that that actually stayed quiet. Yes. So, um, yeah, I, I just—it's just weird, isn't it? I, I find it weird. C- call my, you know, preferences very mainstream, but the thought of this and recording it
1: for your friends—I just, you've, what's you've, going on you've here? Never had a secret desire to masturbate in the Parliament House, Trevor? No, <laughs>
0: no. And if I did, I certainly wouldn't be recording it and sharing it with my friends. I just, what's going on? I just. Anyway. It's so
1: convincing.
3: The other I thing mean, is, yeah. like, they proclaim to be such hard workers. like, a part of me was like, where are they getting time for all this?
0: Yes, yeah. Well, they're finding time. So they are
3: making time. They, yeah. they are playing hard <laughs> and working hard. <laughs> hard being the literal
2: word.
0: Yeah. Anyway, at least no allegations that these were not consensual. So it's just. Find a room at home or maybe in the hotel or something rather than the workplace. But uh, Wouldn't you hell, think? that prayer room, it's not being used for anything. <laughs> and we've got a meeting in an hour. Let's quickly dash over there, I guess, I, when young love takes hold. <laughs> I
2: don't was, know. was listening to a podcast and someone was talking about masturbating at work. And I thought, mm. I've never actually mm. done that. Right. But apparently yeah. it's mm. not uncommon. Yeah.
1: Anyway, I, it's it's I, I would ask why on earth mm-hmm. do we need a prayer room in our parliament house? Yeah. It's superstition. Yes. To put it simply. Mm-hmm. Do we want our secular democracy to have any elements of approved superstitious practice in in the building? I mean, they can practice their superstition in their own time in their own pl- space. Mm-hmm. But I reckon our parliament should be reserved for business. For, for I secular think
2: you're parties. just being um, anti-religious here,
0: and clearly it wasn't being used.
3: That's right so, for prayer, because people
0: could go there. So yeah. I guess yeah, the other Yeah, it's thing, certainly got grounds to abolish it. Mm. Go for it. The other thing was, it seemed like this. Well, it was this guy's masturbating on a female MP's desk as a some sort of insult to her. I guess I, would I don't so. know. I don't know what was going on. In that person's mind, and probably don't want to think about it too hard, but um, it's
1: an expression of the patriarchy.
0: Yeah, maybe. Yeah, just I, I don't know. Like in the way an animal leaves its scent somewhere. I don't. Know, I don't know what's going on there, but it's just plainly oh, weird. Oh, We all do that. Yeah, yeah. just plainly weird. Don't we? Anyway, we're not. The only time I was in Parliament House, I noticed they have a squash court. Did they? Well, they didn't at that time. A secular squash court. I hope. I hope so. So when you say this should only be things for. Were you saying for work or are you just saying not superstitious? Not superstitious. That's my objection, yeah. One of my ambitions in life would be to play squash in the the parliamentary Squash court (laughs) and it still operates. Okay. Mm. Yeah.
1: It's a worthy ambition.
0: Yeah. Hello in the chat room, Greg and John. Hello anybody else who joins us in there. Uh, One thing to note from all this is that Morrison knew about this way back in January 2019 about the sex in the prayer room, not the masturbating on the desk.
1: Say
3: yeah,
0: one. because he was at an FM radio station and um, Sam Destiari was at the same radio station earlier in the day and he had said, quote, the only thing the prayer room is used for is for people having sexual relations with each other. That's what he told, 97.3 FM. And then Morrison comes in for an interview shortly afterwards and they put that to him and um, Morrison said... Well, he's a deal, referring to Dastiari. And the host pushed the religious prime minister. And he said, I have no idea, but only someone who scrapes along the bottom of the bucket, of the chum bucket, would know that, Mr. Morrison said. So that's interesting. They actually knew about it back then,
1: 2019. Mm-hmm. And we know Morrison's a fisherman. Or-
0: a fisherman. Chum, a chum bucket. <laughs> yeah. So uh, we were talking about this, show and the chaser, I think, have. Uh, come out with lots of stuff about this, which humour sometimes sums it all up better than a 300-word three hundred essay can sometimes. So uh, this is from The Chaser. Update, Linda Reynolds has called the desk a lying cow. Um, and also from The Chaser, Morrison addresses sex scandal in Parliament by asking staff to think about it as if it were <laughs> their daughter's desks. And also from The Chaser, uh, uh, Jared Hayne tipped to join federal <laughs> cabinet.
1: Which party, do you think?
0: Mm. Well, the current federal (laughs) government, I guess, is what they were saying. So there we go. Um, Jared Hayne, of course, just convicted of a rape and awaiting sentencing. Mm. Right. Um, Interesting things are happening with these Senate estimate committees. I've never really paid much attention to these things. It seems that in question time, the government can just ignore what's asked in question time and of an opposition and just get away with it because the Speaker is part of their side and we never find anything out in question time anymore. Mm-mm. But it seems these Senate estimate hearings, they're able to drag people there and somehow compel them to tell stuff, which seems to be more interesting than mm. a lot of the other stuff we get out of question time. So I need to find out more about how that works, these Senate estimate Because I always thought Senate estimates were about just money matters and Mm. maybe I was just thinking from the name Mm. of it.
1: They're about accountability. Yeah.
0: Mm. So, which is really strange that we actually have something like that at this day and age because it seemed like we've lost all sense of accountability, it seems to me.
1: But it's always been like that, hasn't it? I don't know how far back Senate estimates go, Mm. but I had always assumed it was a normal... Of the I think they have been audience.
0: around a while. I think yeah. maybe now they just stand alone yeah. as the only place where some accountability actually happens, it seems. So, um.
1: So they often have ex- excerpts from Senate estimates on mm. TV news, mm. for example, if it's a very topical issue that someone's being grilled mm. of.
0: I remember Bromham Bishop sort of made her name by grilling poor public servants over, uh, over some stuff awesome. early in her career. Mm So what we had was this question of um, what did Morrison know about the Brittany Higgins saga? And what Morrison did was appointed the secretary of the Department (laughs) of Prime Minister and Cabinet, Phil Gations, to do an investigation and... Uh, he's basic. Morrison has been saying, well, I've got uh, Phil Gations working on that to find out who in my office knew what. And during Parliament, um, Morrison was basically saying, yeah, well, he's doing this inquiry and that's, I'm leaving it up to him. Meanwhile, Phil Gations said at the Senate Estimates, well, I was told by the Australian Federal Police it's a good idea to stop my investigation, and it just so happened that downstairs they had the guy from the Australian federal police being questioned in relation to other stuff and they were basically able to ask him within a few minutes it seemed hey did you tell that guy to stop the inquiry and he said no absolutely not so it looked like sorry did
1: who tell who
0: did um did the australian federal police um uh, in the namely um Kershaw, uh, Commissioner Kershaw, did Commissioner Kershaw tell the Prime Minister's office leader, Gaijans, to stop the inquiry into Brittany Higgins and who knew what? And he said, no, I didn't tell Gaijans to stop. So Gaijans in one room upstairs saying, I was told by Kershaw to stop my investigation. Mm-hmm. Immediately afterwards, they asked Kershaw downstairs, is that true? And he says, no. Mm-hmm. And the strange thing is that, um, basically, a day later, this Kershaw does a complete backflip. It says, oh, yes, I did tell him to stop. So, under under oath, he says one thing. Then, a day later, seemingly because he's aware that it's caused a problem, it backflips. We don't have any information as to why, but... How can we just have a leader of the federal police at one moment say, oh, yeah, oh, I didn't tell him to stop, and then a day later say, oh, actually, I did tell him to stop. Like, where's the accountability for that? We can't get straight answers from anybody, it seems. It should be it should be shame attached to that. You should resign. You shouldn't be able to be in front of an inquiry and say, the sky is blue, and then turn around and say, oh, no, it's not. Like, it just It shouldn't be... It shouldn't happen. We just come to accept it.
1: Lapse of memory perhaps.
0: And yeah. say you don't.
1: Well hang on. Well, how it's, many it's, of us have ha- perfect recollection of everything we've a, ever a, said pr- or done? It's a pretty important thing. It is important, I, I'll give you that. Yeah. yeah.
0: So
3: I just watched quickly watch four mm. corners before I came over here and mm. it is they do unpack that on the show. Mm. I Just All of this information, no one ever asked the security guard about the incident. She's on the interview. Yes. No one ever inquired about what she knew. Right. When she's the person who first encountered Brittany. Um, And she came on the show just to say that that the media is saying it's a a security breach and there was no security breach. She followed protocol to the letter. Yes. So, yeah, there's some, I mean, I'm paraphrasing, but there's a lot of swirling. Yes. Information, I just can't see. It's, yeah, it's incredible. Mm. That Scott That's not know. interesting point
1: that people have said security breach wasn't a security breach. Mm-mm. It was a breach of protocol and just bad behaviour, obviously. Yeah,
0: because she said once you've got a security pass, you're allowed in the building. It's yeah. not, up to, not up to security to say you're intoxicated and you can't come in. Yeah. So once you've got a badge... You're in. And that's their only job is to make sure you've got the pass and you're in.
1: And they Mm. don't follow you into the office that you enter to check on what you're going to do in there
0: either. mm, mm. So, yeah, that was her point. Um, And that was interesting that she came out and said that, sort of um, possibly seeing she might be in the crosshairs at some point, so she's Mm. putting her version on the record.
3: And Four Corners Mm. found out about two emails, one sent to a Labor senator and another one sent to the Canberra Times. Mm. And then the the, um, the actions taken after that also suggest that the government was highly motivated to clear mm. this up. Mm. But, yeah, so far nothing actually for Scott Morrison directly. But, yeah, mm. it's
1: I think it's very- safe to say that whichever party was in government and something like this happened, they would be scuttling around trying to co- cover it up, wouldn't Indeed. they?
0: Of course. Yeah.
1: So it's not but, just about Morrison, let's be clear.
0: Yeah, but he is the government and they have been in government for seven years, so you got to wear some of this. So, yes, you are in – if others were in charge, it would probably or, yeah, and they or would quite be likely happen. But, but they weren't it. in charge and you were Morrison So and your crew, so you have to um, take responsibility for it. So that's true, yeah. Okay, um, I thought Lee Sale sort of summed up Uh, some of my feelings on this matter. So she was being interviewed by the ABC executive editor, uh, John Lyons, about her role um, um, as anchor of 7.30 Report. And he asked her, how would you describe what's going on in Australia at the moment? And she said, "Uh, we are seeing women say they have had enough. They have had enough of people in power using the system to enshrine their power and to keep women as less powerful. But I also feel that, that it, is fitting in a broader context about awareness of power generally because I feel like every single night when I'm hosting 7.30 that I see stories in which people in power are exploiting or taking advantage of people with less power. I feel like I'm constantly asking myself this question. Did something change in this country? Did something change that the standard for behaviour now is not I have to do the right thing or I have to do what I promised I said I would do but instead how much can I get away with? He says, people are sick of banks gouging their accounts with fees and charges while somehow missing large-scale money laundering, sick of highly profitable nursing homes taking money from families, then neglecting or abusing mum or dad, sick of people, uh, people are tired of private health insurance, constantly upping fees, and you go to a specialist and they go, oh, sorry, it's not covered, Um, telecommunication companies who promise the world but then don't answer your phone call, rich multinationals underpaying their workers, priests abusing children. The cover-up of that. Um, They're sick of politicians acting like public money is their own private fund and giving development deals to their mates or grants to their political allies and in the worst cases are taking kickbacks to line their own pockets. Night after night on 7.30, we have these stories and I just think it's sickening to see this constant situation where powerful people and institutions exploit less powerful people. And I think from what the public says to me on the street, they're sick of people coming on my show and when they get found out saying, oh, I'm sorry, I had no idea this was happening, can't take any more questions about it because we've commissioned a report into it. And then that report, when it comes through, sits in the bottom drawer, gathers dust, and the same thing happens again and they commission another report. So I think she's nailed... I think she's mm. said a lot of truth. I, power has just learnt... And I said this before about Trump and people not falling on their swords and Trump's sort of showing you can just get away with stuff Present now. Yeah. out. Yeah. And, and power now is... People are just exercising it and just saying, fuck you to other people and getting away with it. It seems to me more than ever. Paul, you don't think so? I don't so. You think know. it's the same as it's always been? There's Basically, no change. Basically,
1: it's ever been thus, yeah. I have to disagree. Shay, really? do you... Th- well, yeah, I, I agree Seriously? with... So, that- m- m- if you go back 10 or 20 years, politicians were as pure as the driven snow. Paul, stop.
0: That's a sort of a spiked caricature and... Overblown representation of what I just said. I mean, you know, you, you, I'm,
1: but, you know but, what I'm. But But
0: no, no, you have just strawmanned me by no, I'm saying not something. I stop, 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 no, no, stop. No, I'm not
1: strawmanning I'd, you. I was just using it as a figure of speech. No, 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 no to say that basically. You, you no, know, I, people I have didn't always say, been subject to no, I didn't to say people
0: were pure as snow. No, no I didn't I, say no, I it didn't was perfect. I literally, but I'm saying I didn't it's, mean it I'm saying
1: it's worse. So it's not... It, it was an analogy. It was but, not a literal statement.
0: Paul, I think there's been a change. I think a change in accountability. I think people are no better or worse than that, what they were, but people have learned the baddies have learned they can get away with stuff, whereas before people thought they would be get caught and would uh, hold back and couldn't be as brazen as they are now. And like the classic example is we had ministers who resigned because of declarations on custom forms over colour televisions versus black and white and over a Paddington beer. That... The thought that that could happen now is impossible. I don't so, think so. Standards always have cha-
1: resigned when they were caught. Sa- they? Standards
0: have changed enormously.
1: I doubt it. I th- Isn't that an example to no, you? I no, think, I think you're you're falling into the trap of thinking, oh, I long for the good old days and, gee, things have gone to shit, haven't they? I don't mm. think really, overall, on balance, things are really any, any worse than they were. I think, in, if anything with our with our media being you know on everyone's case all the time i think it's getting harder and harder to get away with stuff not not easier i think it's harder to get away with things
0: all of the sports frauds all, all all of the blatant we had berisic did they get
1: away with it yes did they yeah. It was in the news for for yeah. months and months. I don't and has months. anyone rezoned? Yeah. Did anybody lose their job? They may not have lost their jobs, but no. they were certainly held, you know, held up in yeah. the public, yeah. uh, you know, the, the, the public forum and said, "Look, everybody, what these people are doing—they're not but, exactly getting away with it."
0: If they don't lose their job, when in previous years they would have,
1: I'm not sure they always would have lost their job. To be honest,
0: I think the sorts of uh, Crossing of the line that's happening today, like,
3: t- but not just around like people losing their jobs, but around like there being actual consequences or there being some sort of um, things put in place to make sure they don't happen again. There's no, doesn't seem to be any follow up either. Like the sports riots happened, and everybody, everybody got news fatigue, and now we know that they've been. Um, They've conveniently given fifty percent of ticket for ticketed flights to specific locations that are also happen to be marginal seats. We, so, we have, and again, like that, I'm, enough. I'm sorry, but that is actually not going to restore confidence in travel. What would have restored confidence in travel is a national strategy, definition of hotspots, and getting people vaccinated. Those are the types of things. But, and that's, and that's, isn't that what we're seeing? <laughs> that there's not only is there not resignations, but there's actually no resolutions. Isn't that the purpose of government? You know? Look, like, all, all I would say
1: is I just don't see any evidence.
0: But we're that, giving you evidence. That
1: politicians are any worse than they've always been. No,
0: no what I'm, the, the argument is that accountability is less than it used to be. So, oh, so people not are not being forced to pay the price. And so people are, are more brazen and are going for more things that years ago they would not have done because they knew they'd get caught or pay a consequence. So now they just don't care. Berejiklian comes out and says, well, pork-barrelling is just, uh, that's fine. She was She's being honest. But, but that's the sort of statement Did she say that fine?
1: That did she say it's yes, fine?
0: she did. Really? It's She said it's perfectly acceptable. Scott saying Nothing Bridget be right McKenzie out. resigned over the sports, right.
1: sports right.
0: rules. Right.
1: So McKenzie
2: did resign? McKenzie did resign. I don't know, Scott seems to think so. Right. Mm. There you go. So right.
1: there's accountability. No?
0: I'll have to look at the exact details of the sports rod then. So uh, you you honestly don't see a difference in in standards of our politicians?
1: I really don't. To me, it doesn't matter mm. which party's in government, they'll mm. always try and tough it out for as long as they can. mm Sometimes people resign, sometimes they don't. But I honestly don't see a lot of difference between the two major parties when in government.
0: Sorry. I'm not saying there's a difference between the two parties. And I don't, I, I don't well, see I didn't for one second the, say there was a right, difference between right. the two. Okay. I'm saying there's a difference I, I, in eras. I'm saying there's a difference in 30 years ago to today.
1: Well, I... I so I, you've I, missed my point. Well, I haven't missed your point. But, yeah, perhaps I didn't mm. phrase it very well. Mm. But, um, well, you know, I've been... Following Australian mm-hmm. politics for a mm-hmm. few decades, I just don't have any particular impression mm. that politicians are less accountable. If if anything, I think they're they're being subject to an increasingly um, strong and incessant media gaze.
0: They're they're on the television more. Well, actually, they're not because. It used to be politicians would come on to the 7.30 report and programs like that and get a grilling from Mike Willisey and, and other notable characters like that. Kerry m- O'Brien? M- yeah. They just don't even show up now. They just say, oh, we're too busy, can't come on. Like, they they dodge anything like that. And and they're now so schooled in avoiding the question that they just give bullshit answers and, and, and just brazen out these things. So... Um, what
1: about uh, insiders? Lots of uh, front benches appear on insiders. Uh, and that's a fairly, you know, in-depth interview that they do. They, you know, they're not always making excuses and not showing up.
0: I, I think compared to what it used to be, I'm saying it's a lot less than what it used to be. Okay. And um, so, something like a regular current affairs show during the week you never see a government minister, um, it's it's very rare compared to what it used to be, and only for a few minutes, so they don't face the grillings that they used to face, and they just fob them off with, uh, I mean, people are now undergo media training where they basically say, stick to your message, don't have to answer the question. If she says this or he says that, then you just stick to your message and just ignore the question. And we get that a lot now, where people brazen that out. But I, I
1: think they've always done it
0: you, you don't think, um, say, for in America, for example, you don't think Trump changed politics and 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 altered it, well, what I'm talking about? A question: now? He
2: didn't like the way he used to just say, "Oh, you're a very horrible reporter," or some. He, he yeah. would just turn it around on them.
0: Yeah. So, so you don't think Trump changed politics in America?
1: Uh, he. Possibly has changed politics in America, but I don't think he's had that great an impact on the way politicians conduct themselves in Australia. Right, oh,
0: and you're not fearful? Are you fearful that it is going to head in that direction, or you
1: not especially? Mm. Should I be?
0: Yeah, I know. Mm. Here's something to be fearful of. So Amanda uh, Stoker, yes. <laughs> Christian Porter is um, working part-time or on a holiday and I guess he's in charge of the Religious Freedom Bill. Amanda Stoker. So this was from the Pauline Pantsdown page. Just a reminder, Christian Porter's Religious Privilege Bill is still alive. Um, while he's on rapist leave, the bill is being looked after by his trusty sidekick, anti-trans conspiracy theorist, Senator Amanda Stoker. So... And um, according to Alistair Laurie, she's been holding meetings and teleconferences with stakeholders about the bill since becoming Assistant Minister to the Attorney-General in December. Well, that's a worry mm. because uh, she's an unbelievably pro-Christian privilege but, but woman.
2: Don't only religious stakeholders. Yes. Not non-believing stakeholders.
0: Yes. I don't think the Satanists have had a call from um, hmm. Amanda Stoker. I don't think they'll get one.
2: Atheist Foundation.
0: So, so there we go. There's something to be worried about. Are you worried about that one, Paul, or is that just uh,
1: be fine? The religious discrimination bill mm. I am concerned about. Mm. As you know, I mm. don't think people have any particular obstacles to practising mm. their religion in this country, mm. and I certainly wouldn't give them any special privileges. Mm. Uh, but I didn't know Pauline Pantsdown was still alive. Right. <laughs> Right. That's going back a few years to right. when uh, Pauline Hanson was in the Queensland Parliament, or was it yeah. when she got to the I don't, I don't know when, Please explain. I don't know
0: when Pauline Pantstown oh, became a thing.
1: Does this predate you, Joe? Mm-hmm. No, you remember He's just saying, she? please explain.
0: Yeah. Um, here's some news for you. So I was doing some research for the Nusa uh, Temple of Satan, and the the prayers issue, so prayers before council meetings, prayers before state parliament. Which so, is not a euphemism. Uh,
2: For? In the parliament.
3: Well, sex. <laughs> right, no, right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes, thanks. We have to clarify that
1: these days. Yeah. Does wish so, me luck mm, have some sort of other meaning? Right.
0: does. So, so, um, so here's, it there's chance. good news and bad news. So can't, the bad news is I can't actually do anything about prayers in state parliament because it turns out that um, – our law courts can't um, tell the state parliament how to conduct its affairs, so it's a non a non justiciable area. But I, I learned all this because I rang up Luke Beck. So remember, Luke's the guy yeah. who's the constitutional law expert on the separation of church and state. So and reached out a, to him.
1: He's involved with the national secular lobby right.
0: and the rationalists and nosy stuff. So mm. I reached out to him, and he was very good in accommodating and gave me time and ideas, but what he did say was that with local councils in Australia, there are excellent prospects for stopping prayers in local councils, and it's it's not even going to need to rely on the discrimination angle, because it works like this. Um, there's been cases in the UK based on common law, and what it says is that if you're having a council meeting, you can only do in that meeting what you are authorised to. To do by law and if you're holding a council meeting you are only authorized to run a meeting for the administration of council and prayers are not part of the administration of council therefore council just has no power to actually say a prayer it's not part of council business therefore yep. it cannot it's not you directly don't.
2: relevant to a council business.
0: Indeed. So it's called um, the acting ultra vires. And you don't even have to be a Satanist to make this complaint. You can just do it as an ordinary person, as a citizen. So I, Trevor Bell, as a citizen of the Brisbane City Council District, will lodge uh, an application claiming that the Brisbane City Council is acting ultra vires. And I'll slap down a copy of... Luke Beck's argument and run it through the QCAT and see how we go. So, there's the big news for More you, to power to your yeah. own, Trevor. Yes. Cool. So, the good news is it can be done in QCAT, which is a forum where if you, there are no real cost orders, you just represent yourselves. And so, relatively risk free. Great. So, so yeah. So, that's, that's the plan at this stage wish me luck dear listener <laughs> good luck i am just got a little bit more reading and then um start that so we'll follow that with interest and mm. luke assures me that it has excellent chances uh, prospects of success so and then once that's done um you set a precedent and then that'll just knock on for all councils in uh well most councils in most states mm. um Let's and hope. The only ones then left will be the actual state parliaments and the federal parliament,
2: which will be a more difficult issue. Here are extrajudicial. Yes. So, can't really, yes. so. What about Star Council? Star Council? I don't know, whatever, what's above the courts? Right. (laughs) Star Chamber. Star (laughs) Chamber, yeah, if you're appealing to the Queen.
0: We can no longer appeal to the Queen, the Privy Council. Can we not?
2: No. Okay. Yeah, that's been taken
0: out. So, no, High Court is it. yeah. Anyway. Um,
1: the Star Chamber was something else, by the yeah, way, Joe. Right.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, a Star Chamber is like... A,
1: like a torture chamber, isn't it? No, it's
0: where you get hauled before a court in secret and you don't even have legal representation and they question you for several days and your friends don't even know about it. And sounds in fact, like China. Well, it's Queensland. Oh,
2: actually, it's, it sounds like Witness K.
0: It's Queensland. Mm. Because, they can do that in Queensland? Because under the Fitzgerald... Um, inquiry recommendations, laws were passed where if there were crooked cops or cops that they were suspected of corruption, mm. basically they could grab a cop and haul him before more or less a star chamber for several days um, and not have the usual um, protocols in place. Seriously? So Yes, indeed.
1: Without legal representation? Mm, that's really? sort of Yeah. It was very, very star chamber It doesn't sound very mm. legal. No. But yeah,
0: that was what um, one of the post Fitzgerald things happened. So, mm. Mm. all right. Uh, Liam Healy says, uh, just to let you know you've got our thoughts and prayers behind your QCAT action. <laughs> Sim <Bungie laughs> saying that he's um,
2: <laughs> going to do a Kanye. Uh, uh,
0: Sim Bungie is a she. Uh, oh, sorry. Yep. Yeah. Uh, yes, I'm going to stop you right there as Kanye. Okay. Right. Um, just about that. We've had a lot of rain. Well done for battling through it to come here tonight. Uh, Rowan Dean, <laughs> Sky News and editor of The Spectator, uh, thought that that show... Is that he?
3: I didn't know that. Yes. It's also the Do you have an
1: anti-Rowan it? Dean bias like Trevor? <laughs> <laughs> uh,
3: I just didn't know that. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I don't. I don't have a bias against him. I just have Not an much. accurate perception of him. So. Not <laughs> much. Yeah, I've just worked him out. That's <sighs> it. What if I've just worked? What if? What if I'm actually right? Is it a bias? If I'm actually, my assessments about him are correct.
1: Yeah, you're very tribal about your journalist, Trevor. I'm sorry, but mm.
0: let me just try and think which journalists. Actually,
1: I quoted Lee Sales
0: before. I don't actually like Lee Sales. I don't either. I find her a bit soft on these people. Soft? Mm.
1: Oh, I find her so judgmental and Mm. preachy.
0: I find her a bit soft, but I thought on that issue she was correct. But you can find me criticising her. I
1: I don't have a problem with Mm. that quotation from her, but I have Mm. to say I I don't watch her program anymore because Mm. on several occasions, you know, she she presented the story and it was Mm. usually some other journalist actually delivering the information and then it... Mm camera back to lee and she just makes some comment like oh how disgusting or something like this you know like
0: but was that after a story about a guy masturbating on mp's (laughs) desk no it wasn't in which case it might have been been quite appropriate no it wasn't but
1: you know her job is to present the news not to tell us how to feel about it (laughs) uh are we ready for jokes about Mm. the flooding yet so, I'm ready. I'm always ready for a joke. Okay, so
0: just in relation to the – oh, so back, back to Dean, He says, well, there's so much rain, clearly climate change is a nonsense because it's raining. So that was his theory.
1: <laughs> well, what was his name, that um, Australian uh, ecologist? Uh, yeah, I know. The, the mum one with the beard. Flannery or something yeah, like Flannery, that? Yeah, Flannery, who mm. years ago said, mm. you know, Warragamba Dam will never be full again and things mm. like that. I right. mean mm. – Silly stuff, mm. you know. So it's not just Rowan Dean who sell, says funny stuff. Yes. People that normally most people would think were respected scientists also say silly stuff mm. about climate. Uh,
0: according to The Shovel, um, uh, yes, so New South Wales, they're weathering their fourth once-in-a-lifetime event uh, since the start of the year. and yes. And also from The Shovel, house floating down Sydney Street sells for $3 million. <laughs> An unrenovated terrace in Marrickville, at the time of writing, has sold for $800,000 over its reserve. Builders having good bones with plenty of scope for improvement, the three-bedroom home was said to be in need of a new kitchen and bathroom as well as new foundations and land. You won't find a three-bedroom terrace in Sydney for less than this, real estate agent Hugo Tarnby told bidders as they swam to keep up with the property. The home which started in the sort-after suburb of Enmore before floating to Merrickville and then Temp was at times close to shops, public transport and other amenities. It's close to everything eventually, Tarnby said. It has 360-degree absolute waterfront views. Don't let this one pass you by, and I mean that very literally. (laughs) Honestly, if you don't subscribe to The Shovel and The Chaser on Facebook or whatever, you are missing out. Those guys are funny.
1: Might but it's an accurate reflection of city property <laughs> prices too at the yes same time.
0: yes it is yep oh look i can't subject myself to q and a too often i can't. think i might on thursday it's going to have thomas piketty he's um he's the author of capital in the 21st century talks a lot about inequality um very influential book and well known and I don't know. I'd like to listen to him, but the thought of him being reduced to sound bites and having to compete with sound bites against uh, Adam Crichton and Gigi Foster, it just—it could break my heart. So I don't know if I What's can. What's wrong with? I don't know if I can. Adam yeah, Crichton I, I, and
1: Gigi Foster now. Um,
3: Get, ready. Get ready. Get ready. He's tribal.
0: I've got a bias against him. <laughs> Clearly, a, a, a man like Thomas Piketty should. Ideally, just be given forty-five minutes in an interview to tell mm. his story and not be interrupted by anybody. Yeah. Um, it's just a, it's a shameful waste of an intellectual to do it that way. Um,
3: Though I have, I did mm. see q and A um, Q&A episode about probably about a year ago, and it was all, um, it didn't have any politicians that had, you know these types of people, and it was um, it was a really constructive. It was the last time I've actually enjoyed a Q&A episode. So right. I reckon you can chance it. Yeah. Yeah. And oh. then you can just switch it off. Yes, yeah. it's, it's not going the way you want it. Mm.
0: <laughs> Do you
1: think yeah. it's the format?
0: Oh, yes. The format's terrible. The format is… It's f- destined for failure. It's shocking, isn't mm. it?
1: Because, as you say, people, they just get a few minutes to speak and then other people on the panel get to say whatever they like about it mm. and… And there's not always they don't always get an opportunity to respond um, substantially. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm. Uh, it's 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 all over the shop, isn't it? Really? Yep. I mean, I have to admit, I I did like it for the first few years mm. that it was on. I th- mm. I thought it was a quite an interesting and watchable program, but it's definitely gone downhill. Mm. Mel
0: says she still watches it, and Zimbabwe says Q and A with scientists are the best mm. ones. I think that's true.
1: Mm.
0: Yeah. Okay, um, Happiness Index came out and um, uh, it's an annual report produced by the UN Sustainable Development Solutions Network. It ranks 149 countries based on gross domestic product per person, healthy life expectancy, and the opinions of residents. They're surveyed, asked to indicate on a scale how much social support they feel they have. If something goes wrong, their freedom to make their own life choices their sense of how corrupt their society is and how generous they are all comes out in a happiness index. And I'll give you one guess, dear listener, as to who turned out on top again this year.
1: Finland, 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 the country where
2: I want to be both.
0: Finland, of course. Australia came in number 12. From the top, Finland, Iceland, Denmark, Switzerland, Netherlands, Sweden, Germany, Norway, New Zealand, Austria, Israel, Australia, Ireland, United States, Canada, Czech Republic, Belgium, United Kingdom, Taiwan, province of China. Interesting description, 12th men. France, Saudi Arabia, Slovakia, Croatia, Spain, Italy.
1: Takes you down to 25. So. Um and what do you notice about the top... Is it the top 20? No, the top 18 are all, mm. with the possible exception of Israel, Western liberal democracies, aren't they? Mm. Mm. Speaks volumes about um, comparative political systems.
0: Uh, yes, it does speak volumes about political systems. Also speaks about... And
1: cultural systems, I should have said. Mm. Because I think Trevor and I would agree that culture is probably much more influential on people's behaviour than things like ethnicity and certainly things like skin colour, for goodness sake.
2: Although, yeah. you know, Saudi Arabia is above Spain and Italy. Yeah. That's interesting, isn't it? Is. it?
0: I thought that was an interesting one. Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah. It's, it's also... It's,
1: a, it's, a, it's, a, it's an odd country, Saudi Arabia, though, isn't it? Because I'm, although there are some ordinary Saudis who are not, particularly rich, I get the feeling that basically if you're a, a Saudi, a real like, you know, native born Saudi, um, your life is somewhat heavily subsidised, isn't it, by the government? I mean, yes. they hire a lot yes. of foreign workers to do the shit jobs. Yes.
2: And I'm guessing they didn't interview yeah. women.
0: Yes, and they didn't interview the migrant workers either, exactly. probably. And I've
1: <laughs> I've heard from friends who've worked but, there mm. that they don't work very hard. Yes, that they hire a lot of foreign technical experts to come mm. in and and work because the the Saudi people in the offices. Um,
0: so, so the Saudi citizens are an, an, an elite minority.
1: Yes. Yeah or even mm. if they're the majority, they're certainly, um, you know, they have a relatively comfortable life, mm. you know. I mean, you know, mm. decent homes, air conditioning, all of them and,
2: mm. you know. Mm. Cheap oil.
1: Cheap, well, oil money has bought affluence for them, basically.
0: Mm. And they were allowed to keep it, unlike some others. So, mm. yeah, it's political systems, liberal democracies, also a fair bit of history involved in that as well mm. in terms of whether they were colonised or or whatever. So that all comes into it as well. Um, so, yeah, so that's the Happiness Index. Uh, one of you sent me the one about factions in the Liberal Party. I think it was you, Paul. I did, yeah. Mm. That was a good – if anyone is a real sort of political junkie and you're wanting to know what the factions are in the current Liberal Party, then it was quite instructive. I thought so too. Mm. So the Sun Herald and the Sydney Age conducted – 50 interviews with 39 MPs in the Liberal Party, Federal Parliamentary Liberal Party. And there's basically three broad groups, a moderate or moderate Liberal's wing with Simon Birmingham as its leader, a Morrison sort of centre-right grouping, led of course by Morrison, and a national right group led by Home Affairs Minister Peter Dutton. And that basically gives you the names and all the rest of it. And if you're a real junkie and want to know where people fall in the factions in the Liberal Party, worth looking at that article. won't go into it in too much detail, other than it also identifies who's in the prayer group, which I found really interesting. Just so I'll add that to the index that I've got on the website as to the prayer group. Um, and, you know, if you're looking to get hold of the levers of power in the Morrison government, your first move would be to join the prayer group, I reckon. <laughs> yeah, so. Okay, back to gender issues. Um, We had in Brisbane, uh, Brisbane Boys College, captain gave a speech, Mason Black, um, and it was very well received, went viral, lots of people talking about it. Did anybody here get to watch it or listen to it? Yeah. I didn't. Right. Did you have any thoughts about it, Paul?
1: I did. Right. Go ahead. Look, you know, I find it very hard to take a moral guidance from a 17-year-old schoolboy. Mm-hmm. I just this, got the, this is the
0: Greta Thunberg sort of exactly, feelings that you have. Exactly. Mm.
1: I mean, my impression was he was doing one of those I'm a good boy, look at me type of things, you know?
0: How do you know whether he generally felt it or not?
1: Well, he may have. But, you know, if you listen to the words he used, it was all the, the standard jargon mm-hmm. of, um, you know... Um,
0: so he spoke the common language?
1: No, not the <laughs> common language. He spoke the politically correct language uh-huh. to a T. Right. Really? I thought it was just an exercise in virtue signaling, frankly. Right. Really? I'm I'm not saying the message was bad, mm. you know? Should
0: a school captain of a boys' school, given the current environment, Shay, should a school captain, is it appropriate to give a speech? To saying the school, boys, definitely. Yeah, saying boys... Um, essentially it was, there's some really shitty things happening out there and we need to be aware of it and we need to think more carefully about our choices and, but all in the politically correct language, I'll grant you that. So, yeah.
3: yeah, I, um, I know that, um, Clementine Ford and a few, uh, other, um, what do we call them? Harpies. No, that wasn't what we were calling before. But anyway, active feminist talking. (laughs) Anyway. Clementine Ford. She was, she just said, "Mm, she she mentioned that, you know, we're all all applauding this young man. But I, um, I noticed in the case of Jared Hain today that it was actually that young woman's brother in law who actually stepped in and started the process of. Um, having Jared Hain held to account, I know mm-hmm. in my personal experiences when I've talked to my young male friends and when they've stood up for me, it has has made a difference and I think that it's valuable.
4: Mm.
3: Yeah. Um, I, I'm just, but I didn't actually watch his speech, so yeah. I don't know if he was towing the line. Right. As I
1: said, I didn't disagree with the, mm. the ideas. Mm. Mm. I just thought it was... A, and
3: I think that when we are so critical all the time, it stops the movement too. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: um,
3: you know, like why? Why would why would any other young man now speak up if we we're going to just be like? Oh, na,
1: na, na, na. Do you think he watches the, uh, <laughs> the <laughs> He's
3: podcast? He's listening right now. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean it. You're a good boy, really. You are. Uh, yeah, I hey. think we'll come to it later, but. Um, you know, regarding that, and I know that police commissioner's app suggestion is stupid. Yeah. Um, but I also took issue with, you know, another of the articles about, you know, that that young woman who started that Instagram post because she wants consent training. Mm. Yes, it's not the whole solution. Yes, it's not the only solution. But we shouldn't stop attempting that if it's mm-hmm. something these young people want. And also we can address possibly address the pornography, and okay. I'm getting ahead of myself. Well, you
0: today. are getting ahead of yourself. We'll get to that one. I just want to finish with um, Mason Black, the college captain. Um, two ideas. One is a friend of mine who's got a daughter in first year uni and another one in grade 10, I think, something like that, or roughly around those ages. One of them at least was kind of pissed that a lot. this went viral. A lot of boys were reposting Mason Black. Black's speech and like, good on your Mason, right Mm. behind you thing. And the daughters were actually pissed because it was like, what? It needed a guy to say something before all these other guys would share something and and affirm what's being said. None of them, in their eyes, were sharing. There's been lots of stuff by women, speeches and Brittany Higgins and other all sorts of stuff. Um, has been out there which they didn't share and didn't repost. And they were like, really? It had to be a guy to say something, and you as a guy can now repost. So I thought that was interesting. That was just a response by young women. And it's a, um, you know, it's by no means a representative full study, but that's just an interesting response. I just think it's so.
1: fairly predictable that guys wouldn't repost what chicks write, you know?
0: And I guess that's the point. Mm. Is it? Yeah. Mm. I think. And, yeah, so I thought that was an interesting one. And, um, uh, look, I I thought his speech was fine. It it wasn't – I didn't think it necessarily deserved to go viral. Like, it's just Mm. pretty much an ordinary everyday speech, I thought. But, Paul, I find it interesting. You don't like it when young people lecture you because you feel like they don't have a life experience to – do that, so. Exactly. But then they might feel the same way about, about us boomer. as old codgers <laughs> lecturing them, and they might say, "Well, you might have experience, but you're also out of touch." Mm. So, so they might have a similar criticism of of you or or old people like, "Get out of the road! You've made enough mistakes. What would you guys know? Um, you don't know how the world works today." Yeah. And look, uh, when
1: I on the occasion that I discuss you know, sort of social or political issues with my daughter, um, I often think back to when I was a young man. I had the same attitude to older people. I thought, "What would they know? Mm-hmm. You know, they're they past it. They're beyond it. They don't understand." And now that I'm a senior citizen, I hear them saying the same thing that I would have said when I was, you know, eighteen or twenty-five or whatever. And, but but from, this, from this perspective, I think that young people really just don't appreciate that life experience does tend to give you a little bit more perspective on things like this.
0: It might also give you a, a, a bias and it might also give you a few scars and might also shut some doors that are open mm. in the mind of a younger person. Like
1: I it's not all. I think it's the opposite. To be you know, honest, I don't think young people are necessarily more open-minded. Because
0: because uh, people get in ruts in their thinking and they get convinced about things. <laughs> 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 Old people
2: tend to be more conservative, and,
0: and that people get as they get older and crotchety and less flexible in their thinking. So. Mm. <laughs>
1: So Yeah, but look, I think it's So
0: uh, it's, age isn't necessarily
1: no, it an isn't. advantage. I, I I totally agree, it isn't. Mm. And and there I've met plenty of, you know, mature age people who are not open minded, in fact who are quite narrow minded, present company accepted. But um, yeah, age, age doesn't guarantee anything. Mm. But just mm. my point is that mm. life experience mm. does have value. Mm. And that when I hear people like Greta Thunberg mm. lecturing the world about how immoral they are, I just think it's contemptible mm-hmm. that a person without life experience thinks that she knows better than you know all the other. Well, well if she studied it, experienced people of the
0: world. If she studied it, maybe she has.
1: Like mm-hmm. come on, like no. all the, It's not something you can study. Well, moral, life life experience is not something but, you can. Study.
0: Uh, uh, morals are things you can study
1: morals yeah the ideas of morals but she doesn't Mm. just talk about them she preaches and i find that really gets up my nose Mm. and you know this young boy didn't arouse that Mm. sort of response in me by any means but Mm. i I just looked at it and i I thought yeah right mate okay mm. it's a it's a you know it's it it will earn him brownie points big time but i find it a little bit hard to take it too seriously Mm-hmm.
3: Can you see yourself as a, a young man doing doing that type of thing, making those types of speeches and risking risking looking bad in front of your peers? Or? Do you think
1: he risked looking bad? I think quite the
3: opposite. Well, you know, isn't there some sense of like when you're a young person no. and you you stand out from the crowd that I can be... So. Not certainly with captain. Greta, yeah. like certainly with Greta did take courage to do what she did, there's no doubt, and... Certainly, like my mum used to say when I was a teenager, like I would say something or do something and she'd turn to me and say, oh, the urgency of youth. And that's what I get from all of Greta's communications is that there's an urgency for her. It doesn't come across to me as preaching. It comes across as like it's urgent. I need you all, I need you old boomers to start taking the bus, God damn it do you,
1: do you seriously <laughs> think better is not preaching though just on that, that point? is not my experience when wow. she
3: communicates. I see a very brave young woman um standing up for something she cares about okay mm.
0: you don't like preaching from young people, you just don't like preaching
3: I
1: don't like preaching in general to be honest, but mm. um I think it's it's uh, incredibly sort of a little bit naive of young people to think that they have a better handle on morality, you know, at the age of, you know, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen than all the adults of the world, you know?
0: But adults can be really immoral. Mm.
1: Of course they can be. You, you don't you don't
0: gain you don't necessarily gain morality through through life experience. Maybe no. maybe
2: the opposite. Maybe the morality is they're seeing the right thing. We're unwilling to do the right thing because it's gonna cost us. Yeah.
1: They're
0: unshackled by by a lot of things at that
1: age. You don't think you're overgeneralising a little bit, Joe? I mean, not all adults are immoral and horrible people. No, no,
2: no.
0: What I'm saying is that we have... (laughs) It's no guarantee. But the point is, it's no guarantee that you're going to be smart and moral just because you've been on the planet 30 years longer than somebody else. Of
1: course, it's no guarantee. But... If you were to, you know, put together a, a list of the, the people in the world from any country, from mm-hmm. any background that you respected as knowledgeable and wise, they're hardly, it's hardly but, likely there'll be anyone but, under 20 on that but, list, But But, but we're not,
0: when you say knowledgeable and wise, you're starting to get into technical uh, sort of feelings there. We're, we're, talking about, we're talking about morals and what's right and wrong... And what should we be doing as a society? Um, these are things that it's not necessarily the case that just more time on the planet gives you a better grip on that.
1: I'm not saying it is. I'm not saying all people learn well, I'm not... from their life experience. I'm just saying that on, you know, as a generality, mm-hmm. life experience for those who are thoughtful and, you know, um, you know, Relatively intelligent and who like to learn about stuff and who are reflective, mm. you know, and are not, you know, have, have made an effort to throw off their own biases. I think they are much more likely to acquire wisdom from, you know, the, the cumulative education and life experience that they have under their belts than a 17 year old. Do you
0: think a young person is less likely to have biases? They haven't been around long enough to have a uh, rusted-on bias yet?
1: Possibly. But, That'd
0: be an advantage when it comes to this sort of thing. But like, I
1: think by the time you're 17, you probably have some.
0: Right. But you, on the whole, you might well have less bias than somebody.
1: But not necessarily uh, less. You
0: know? No. But it, it just on, on these issues of of what's right and wrong in the world and how should we be thinking about things, just just... I just don't know that extended time on the planet necessarily
1: doesn't necessarily adds up. Trevor. Of yeah. course, it doesn't necessarily.
0: Mm. So I, I would listen myself. I would listen to a smart eighteen-year-old kid as intently as I would to a smart fifty-year-old man when it comes to these issues. For example, about Brittany Higgins and the whole topic at the moment. Or um, what was the other topic we are talking about? But, but I, I, I wouldn't discount the 18-year-old. I wouldn't... Um, it's polite if, if I,
1: to listen to everybody.
0: Yeah, but you are mm, seemingly discounting their value of their opinion because you're just saying they're not old enough yet. And
1: I'm, haven't I'm gained saying enough. that I don't put very much store you, in the, yeah. the in the opinion of a 17-year-old. That's yeah. right. I mean, I'm I'm perfectly willing to listen, and I did Mm. listen to his speech. Mm. And then I make my own judgment.
0: Mm. There we go. Mm. That was Mason Black's um, speech. Phone sex has got a new meaning now. So a proposal from Australia's top police officer to use phone apps to record sexual consent has been branded as naive. How old is that guy? (sighs) Is this an 18 year old? He
3: is not 18. New South Wales Police (laughs) Commissioner Mick Fuller.
0: How old (laughs) would he be?
3: Benny's late 50s, early 60s. There's an argument for an 18 year old (laughs) New (laughs) South Wales
0: Police Commissioner there. (laughs) (sighs) So, interestingly, Denmark launched a similar app last month, but it's only been downloaded 5,000 times. There we go. Yeah, so he even admitted himself that it probably wasn't the best idea he's ever had. Mm. Um, But hey, everyone's allowed to have a bit of a put a thought bubble out there and just see Mm -hmm. what happens. Mm
3: -hmm. Does it imply that he's really uh, just doesn't have any ideas left? Mm. That's what it seemed to me. I was like, you know, yeah, yeah. he doesn't have much faith in the justice system. Yeah, you know, what he
0: was saying was. not only could you register your consent with the app, but you could register your ongoing consent during the activity. It did, seemed to be what he was getting at. Did anybody
1: else have... You keep pressing that button. <laughs> did anybody else get strange images in their mind when they read that? Because I certainly did.
0: Uh, um. According to recent figures from the Bureau of Crime Statistics and Research, reported that sexual assaults rose by 10% in 2020, with a total of 15,000 women coming forward, only 2% of those led to guilty verdicts in court. So, that's that.
1: Statistics. I think that's worth a comment. Hmm? Mm. I've I've read that report, and, and they always seem to finish it with the percentage of convictions. Mm. as if it's some kind of marker of whether the law is appropriate or not. You know what I mean? And I think that's misleading because the law should be designed to convict guilty people and not convict not guilty people, surely. So we don't know. I mean, yes, there were prosecutions and... (laughs) I think it's 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 a safe guess that some of those you know alleged offenders were guilty, but uh, you know the justice system relies on a presumption of innocence, hmm. and it must do. Hmm. So if for whatever reason they fail to persuade a jury or a magistrate, whichever the case. Uh, that the, if the alleged offender was guilty, then that person should be found not guilty, surely. Yeah. So clearly they were unsuccessful prosecutions. Clearly. So the system...
0: So there's one of two things happening. Either women are making a lot of false accusations or a lot of true accusations are not being proven.
1: And as we know, it's a, often a difficult thing to prove.
0: Yeah. So it's, it's one or the other, I would say.
3: Well, there's a few other things at play, isn't there? Mm. Mm. Like the length of time between making a complaint and actually getting it to court. Mm. If you've had a specific trauma, that mm. could be a consideration of whether you persevere. or um, some other dec- things? Of- How likely are you to trust the police? Are you going to be victim-shamed when you show up to the police? All those things, of course. Some yeah. Factors. Like yeah. it's... Uh...
0: The system is stacked against
1: the complainant.
3: Mm. Yes. Mm. Yep. And then um, I knew I should have brought my textbook. I don't. Mm. I think but, I would um, take,
1: take issue with that, Trevor. Mm. You're saying the system... So, in other words, our, our laws are stacked against the complainant. Surely mm. our laws are written to determine guilt or lack of guilt, aren't they? They're not stacked against anyone, surely. They're there for a reason and they're there to deliver justice. Is this the laws
2: are stacked or just the system? The
0: the, the, system system, um, is stacked because, well, we're just on the face of what we've just looked at with those statistics. Either there's a lot of false accusations or there's a lot of true accusations that aren't, getting through.
1: And or it's, both and it's, I don't think it's an either or. And, I think it's probably a combination of those.
0: And, and and it's 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 stacked against a complainant because there's a presumption of innocence. Now I'm not saying that's a necessarily a bad thing. We need a presumption of innocence. Okay. But, well if but, now that you've but, said that I'm but more this, but that's the way the system is and it probably has to be to in many respects. And it's also stacked against them because it's uncomfortable to come out and make these complaints and to relive the whole experience and so it's one of the crimes where if you uh, want to commit a crime and get away with it, mm. it would be one of the crimes that would be mm. perhaps one of the easier ones to get away with because of the way, Quite I, you know, if your house has been burgled, you're going to report it to the police, I've been burgled. But if you've been raped, you're going to think twice about whether you want to go through reliving all of that. So there's just a host of things inherent in it. Of course. So, and all, I'm not saying...
1: All those things are true. It's yeah. a special kind of crime, yes. as we know. Mm. It's not a simple, straightforward crime like a mm. housebreak. Mm. But I, I just worry that uh, people want to make the law less rigorous, if you know what I mean. Mm.
3: You no, we we'll want to make they want the,
1: to see a conviction rate go up.
3: The processes be yeah. better. Yeah, I, I mm. think that's what you, I want to see. I want to see, and I wish I brought my textbook because I have a list of a whole range of offences and convictions, and we could mm. have compared a whole range of other, you know, to give us a sense of like other, other convictions success, and other the success crimes rate of other yeah. crimes. Right. And so then, what are we missing in the processes around? Is this These the sort of conviction
0: of success rate of rape compared to of assault rape, or something assault, like that? Yes. Yeah.
3: Mm. Just you.
0: Mm.
3: Yeah. Regular robbery. Bring I it on you next week. I will. I will.
0: we Will be all here next week. <laughs> That's right. We love rehashing topics from previous <laughs> I'm weeks. Like,
3: it's too nerdy to bring a textbook. No. You have to leave it here. No. Maybe it's nerdy as nerdy is your life Yeah.
2: We won't judge you. <laughs> and it's not necessarily <laughs> about changing the law. Mm. You can make the processes of gathering evidence mm. a lot easier.
0: Mm. Excellent comments in the chat room. Good on you, Alex. Good on you, um, Liam McMahon as well. And actually, Robin mentioned that that New South Wales Police Commissioner is a Hillsong neighbour to ScoMo. Mm. So, yeah, I forgot about that. What does that know. mean,
1: Robin, a Hillsong so, neighbour?
2: That he also goes to the same <laughs> he's church? He's
0: his neighbour and he goes to Hillsong. Fun fact for you, the New South Wales he's Police Commission. He's a neighbour of SCOMO. Yeah. This came out previously because… Um, Scott uh, Morrison
3: rang for advice.
0: Yes. And he said, he's my neighbour. Like we, when we're on holiday, when one of us is on holidays, the other one takes the bins out and stuff this like that. This is the New South <laughs> Wales Police Commissioner. Police
1: Commissioner. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, that's yeah. interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah. And he fact. also goes to the… But yes. SCOMO doesn't actually go to Hillsong. Well, he goes to it goes to another It's church. Horizon, but it's of that's the same…
0: Right generic sort of thing. It's things. a similar like, church, yes, yes, but it's
1: not Hillsong as yeah, such. it's the same. Well, it's in, not the same church, but it's but, very but, similar. But, yes. you know,
0: in an eight-word little message here, Robin's got the gist of it
1: right, I think. <laughs> okay.
0: Um, right. So, moving on to consent. So, where did this one come from? This is from ABC. Uh, who sent this article about Emma Wood as a PhD in Moral Philosophy, Research Fellow with the Women's Forum Australia? That was you, Paul, again. Okay. So she says that consent training is bound to be inadequate as a response on its own. She says that um, basically men and women look at sex differently. Men look at it as being what she calls um, a recreational view of sex, whereas women would have it as a significant view of sex, so recreational meaning it's just a bit of fun, not too much thought has to go into it, whereas the significance view um, relies on really our historical approach to sex where it was historically not recreational, it was viewed as a profound union of persons suitable only for mutually loving and mutually committed relationships governed by rich courtship norms, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So she's saying men and women are different in the way they treat that. Having consent training is not going to be good enough. She says that um, because now the dominant sort of narrative is that we should be approaching sex as a recreational view rather than a significant view, well, that's how she thinks society's viewing sex now, that consent training isn't enough. And let me get this right here. Um, uh, i got to find her argument here. Basically, our culture's embrace of the recreational view of sex has deprived young women of the ability to say no, mainly because it's deprived them of the rationale for saying no. So if everyone's saying, hey, it's just sex, it's just a bit of fun, her argument is, well, women feel they can't say no because, hey, why would you just say no to a bit of fun? You must be crazy if you're not up for a bit of fun. It's kind of her argument. Is it, is it your reading of this Shay? Am I paraphrasing this right when you read it? So anyway, she's saying overall we need to, instead of just consent training, she's encouraging that instead of a recreational view of sex, people should take a more significant view of sex and that's going to help as much as consent training, that people need to alter away from the recreational view. And I know last week you were sort I, of... I
1: was trying to express that idea. Yes. And then I went home and I don't know if it was the, the next day or a couple of days later I came across this article and I thought that's what I was trying to say because that's been my experience of growing up during the so-called sexual revolution when sex was very much certainly in my peer group mm-hmm. seen as good fun. Mm-hmm. And it pretty much lost that extra significance of it being a special thing just between, you know, uh, two people committed to each other. Did you grow up with anything like that, you guys?
2: I've listened to a lot of polyamorous and swingers who've said that in friends with benefit relationships, often it's the male that catches feelings. Catches feelings. Yes. Really? Yes. Oh, what do you mean
1: okay. catches feelings?
2: Falls in love. That when when the relationship mm. is superficial, despite society saying, no, no, it's going to be the woman that falls in love, actually it's the male that falls in love. There you go.
1: That's a generalisation. Obviously it can go either way.
2: Yeah, but uh, th- this idea that um, women are unable to enjoy sex for sex's sake that um, that there is this significance around it for women which there isn't for men. Yeah. I think I don't I i I'm not sure I,
1: anyone is saying women don't enjoy sex for for sex sake. It's it's just this idea that it's well, she's saying purely that, fun.
2: Um, if sex is a mere recreational um, activity and she's then later on saying it isn't because of oxytocin that people get mm. feelings. Okay. Mm. <clears throat>
0: Her argument was, women will f- are less able to say no because in the modern day it's just sex. So why wouldn't you say no? Like you must be odd if you're not up for a bit of fun. And so you not, don't and,
1: think she makes a valid point? No, because I? Really? I just think
0: I think her, she's saying let's return to sex having having significance. Let's let's encourage that. And I sort of think well, it's just up to each individual. This is a libertarian coming out here, Paul. (laughs) I'm taking a libertarian view compared to you on this one, where basically everyone's different. Some women will just want to have sex for fun and others will want emotional commitment. Is it that hard just to really try and work it out as a guy and say, are you... Like You often hear the story of relationships that never start because the woman says, I'm not having sex before marriage. I'm going to wait until after I'm married. The guy goes, okay, see you later, and walks off and... Go somewhere else because he goes, Okay, that's your position. I'm not interested in that. That's not what I'm after. Is it that hard to really say to a woman, or not necessarily in three words, but in a sense, which type are you? Are, is this important to you as an emotional commitment, or are you up for a bit of fun? And which one are you? And, and just treat a woman based on her response, like and get consent of to course, that. And of course it's so possible. her argument in this article, where she's saying, I really think we should promote the significance because just consent training on its own isn't really going to be good enough, I think is a shoddy argument. Seriously. Yeah, because I think you can I don't I think, think you can get proper consent for either version of woman.
1: I don't think she's saying this should be the default position of everybody. I think she's saying maybe rather than just you know, biological sex education and whatever relationships education they have, I'm, I'm not sure, in schools now. But she, I think she's saying it wouldn't be a bad idea to encourage young people to think of sex as, yeah, can be great fun, but it also has this extra dimension that they perhaps should think about I, I think- before casually diving into a sexual um, Activity. I
2: think that's called the purity culture that we see in America No we? it isn't jo. it's not purity culture, culture
3: Well I'd like to just say that I ran this article uh, Not in in its entirety yeah. But uh, past a man my age And he said He said whoever sent you that, that is completely <laughs> out of touch What a shit analogy And it doesn't matter Obviously Sex can be this, and it can be um, fun. The second the woman is no longer consenting, it's not trivial anymore. Mm -hmm. And he's quite clear about that. Like, sex can or cannot have significant view, but certainly not getting consent first is significant. Mm. And he was not unclear about that. This
0: article doesn't downplay the need for consent, but it says consent training is inadequate, and will be inadequate because women can't say no easily in a culture where everybody says yes for fun. Mm. And as a result, we should have a culture-wide re of the significance view of sex might give young women you know, a much-needed confidence boost in those deeper instincts that speak in their best interests. According to the significance view, saying no to sex with a wide variety of people, far from being incompatible with an interest in sex, indicates a high reverence for it.
3: But doesn't it's it a, just it,
0: suggest it's, that? It's, 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 a, it, it's got – I don't like it.
3: Mm, so I don't like it she's,
0: either. She's certainly saying you need consent, but she's saying consent training isn't going to work. People just need to take a significance view rather than a recreational view, or more of a significance view than a recreational view. And I think I just think BS. If people want to have a recreational view of sex, and, and good luck to them. And, and do why? We, why? I don't why think invo- she's
1: saying nobody will, Trevor.
0: No, but she's she's trying to say I think people should have a significance view. Well, that's that's just a. Do we know? There's no reason for it other than she. That's her personal. Preferences, what she thinks she people should be, but it doesn't follow in any logical argument that women necessarily should. They could be perfectly happy.
1: I don't think she's saying every woman. And, and, necessarily. and our society
0: could be perfectly happy. Mm. Uh, she's really just saying okay. it's it's people need to get a bit more. She, she women also votes
2: for a Catholic university.
0: It doesn't surprise me in the least. Mm.
2: Yeah,
1: but look, you know, let's not. Damn her because she works for a Catholic university.
0: No, but these seem
2: very religious
1: morals.
0: Yeah, good to know any uh, um, any bias she might have.
1: Look, <laughs> I you know me, I'm an absolute atheist. Yes, to the Not thought, yeah, and I do not find uh, religious practice at all mm. attractive or have mm. much going for it, but. You know, I, I also think it's a mistake to just, you know, oh, someone goes to church, I'll leave you, their views are worth nothing to me. I think yeah. that also but, is but, but, a very yeah, but Paul, bigoted view. Yeah, but we pretty much pulled this religious.
0: argument apart without having to mention religion. So, well, Joe mentioned it. Yeah, but we've pretty much done and dusted with it.
1: sort of like, oh, yeah, that, that figures. Well, it doesn't surprise me,
0: and it doesn't. But well, that's true. I, but you, but Paul, you have but, a bias
1: against but, people who are associated but, with but, but religious Paul, institutions. Paul,
0: I just picked apart this argument yeah. without mentioning religion at all because it's just a bad idea. Well, I and disagree. Then cl- I think it's a good idea. Yeah, but it, but in the end, religion's mentioned again. Okay, that figures.
1: I don't think so her religion has a lot to do with it. Not once in the article does she mention anything about religion. I don't know. I reckon it does because
0: where. I've, Oh, I, I no, me? no. I reckon religion has something to do with it. I reckon, I reckon no. this is an odd article to say the modern woman needs to
1: close her legs. I don't ending, think she was just saying women. I was. I think she was yeah. saying people. No, Men young and no, women no, no, end
3: up caving no. in. She's talking yes, about that the problem. That's,
1: that's she, one she, one aspect. No, no she
3: was argument, talking about she, women.
1: She, I think she is indicating no, all young. people. No,
0: her emphasis is on women because mm. she sees women as the ones who. Have difficulty saying no, she didn't say well, men that's do, she said men- true. women. So, her, her, her message is to women,
1: yeah,
0: um, and to our society, we need to have less sex and make it more special so that women feel more comfortable saying no. And you don't message. think that's
1: a good thing that women would no. feel more comfortable saying no,
0: but not not. Not because everybody's having less sex. It should be, women should be able to say no in an environment where everyone's having sex whenever they want to and a woman should be able to say, oh, on this occasion, no, and that yeah. should be
1: it. Yeah, and she is not saying people should have less sex. I didn't Nowhere say Nowhere in the article is she saying sh- sh- people should have less no, sex.
0: No, she is saying, though, that people should take on the significance role of sex rather than the recreational, and that necessarily means less sex.
4: Well, she is I saying that. that.
0: She's saying treat it as special because at the moment everybody's banging everybody, and you're a bit of an outlier if you say no. Mm. Hence, consent training isn't helping because women feel
2: okay.
0: restricted in saying no.
2: Well, I, I think this is the same as the voluntary assisted dying, where mm. they're making, really? in the, the the religious people are making non religious arguments to bolster a religious attitude. Mm. Mm.
1: you know I'm not religious, Joe.
2: No, no, I'm not saying you are. I had
1: no idea she had anything, any relationship with any religious Uh, institution whatsoever. And I read the article and it spoke to me. mm. A person with, you know, several decades of sexual and and life experience, I honestly, uh, when I was young, I very much had a recreational view of sex. mm -hmm. And as I got older, I thought, you know what? Maybe sex is a little bit different to playing tennis or going for a swim, or you know what I mean. And, and I, I just I think there's a lot of uh, wisdom in what she wrote, frankly.
3: Well, and it's gotten. I think she needs consent religion. training. <laughs> How? <laughs> because she hasn't. She hasn't actually cited anything around uh she hasn't linked any of what she's saying to any evidence that women are in fact having difficulty saying no Mm. and Mm. um if you say you've been raped then generally as the investigation goes on you have objected at some point so like um and at which point like is she referring to when you go for a drink or when you're back at their house and when you're halfway through or... Think, yeah, like she's not she's, she's, she's not she's not actually... She's actually undermining um, a, a woman's ability to say anything, seems Seriously? like, yeah. Undermining?
0: I
1: can't see that.
0: She said, our culture's embrace of the recreational view has deprived young women of the ability to say no, mainly perhaps because it's deprived them of the Rational. rationale for saying no.
2: Well,
1: I think she has a point. And she's not anywhere in the article saying that rationale needs to have any link with religion. She never mentions religion. Of course
0: she doesn't. But and
1: she's- as you know, I'm an atheist. Yeah. I agree with her. Mm. I think sex not for everybody mm. and not in every case. But I think yeah, I'm I'm quite attracted to this idea that Sex is not just another... I'm sure that there are atheists who
2: are fully believers that we shouldn't end our lives prematurely. Mm. Mm. Um, Or that I I know of atheist anti-abortion activists. Of course, why not? (laughs) Well, Exactly. So it doesn't necessarily follow, but what I'm saying is this smacks very much of religious values, even if it isn't... Specifically calling out religion.
1: Mm. Um, so, my values are religious values? I don't uh, in, think so. In think. this particular case, possibly. No, a, not, no, there's not. They have nothing to do with religion. I rejected religion decades ago.
0: But it happens to coincide. Oh.
1: So, if it coincides, it but must be the same. If, thing. if I
0: was a really smart um, evangelical and I'm wanting to create a more conservative world, mm-hmm. then. I would hire a bunch of people to write articles, encouraging the behaviour I want, without oh, mentioning God. It's a conspiracy
1: now, Shay. Did you so, notice how he did
0: that? So it's if, a, it's a if, religious if, if, conspiracy. If I was smart, I would say, look, these values we're trying to push. Let's push them in a rational, ethical, argumentative manner. Don't mention God. That That's, and and. Because some people, as soon as you mention God, will turn off. But if we can talk to them in a language without using God and get them into our way of thinking, that's, that'll, that could work for some people because the mention of God will turn a lot of people
3: off. If of the course. article had started with, as a Catholic, mm. would you have read the whole thing? <laughs> Why not? Exactly. So what's the matter? Mm.
1: As I said, I have been an atheist for a very long time. Yeah, mm.
2: I, and
3: this, and does her religion possibly to me shaped of religion this article whatsoever. It so,
1: speaks to me of human. What okay. would you say? Nuance in human relationships, okay. instead of hey, let's have a fuck, you know. Mm. Um,
0: yeah, so, so u- she's used an argument that appeals to you.
1: Yeah, yeah, very much so. Yep. From my yep. personal if you like, emotional journey through life and various relationships. And from a
0: strategic point of view, if you'd have laced it with a few, you know, godly words and Jesus words, it would have turned you off along the way. Not
1: necessarily. So... I think I I have the intelligence and the capacity to pick out things of value, mm, you know. so, So you don't think... I don't necessarily conflate everything.
0: See, this is where we get to the freedom argument and the wokeness argument. So at the moment, you might have noticed that Martin Isles, ACL, a lot of religious people, John Anderson, a whole bunch of the right-wing Christians are really keen on arguing the whole anti-wokeness, pro-freedom line.
1: Pro-freedom.
0: Yeah. They're very much. You don't have to pro, be religious pro.
1: to be pro freedom, Trevor.
0: Did I say you have to be? No. Why but, would you say that, Paul?
1: Well, it sounds like it. You know, but, these Paul, re- religious nutcases—they're all pro freedom. They're anti-work. Stop putting words into my mouth that I haven't said. All right, go ahead.
0: So they—they <laughs> they like running this argument because it appeals to a a a category of people, and. And when you promote anti-wokeness and and freedom, in particular freedom is good for them because they want the freedom to employ people in their institutions uh, as they see fit and to not employ people and exclude people, which they refer to as freedom. So so they love running freedom arguments um, and encouraging an atmosphere of of libertarian freedom, anti-wokeness, because it fits nicely with their agenda, which is one of the freedom of religious people to conduct their affairs, i.e. run their institutions without having to hire gays as math teachers or gay children. So, So they enjoy that argument because they can they can run it, and it promotes their side without necessarily having to refer to God and Jesus. So, it's it's an appealing argument for them. So you r- make
1: to- freedom sound like a dirty word when you <laughs> say it like that.
0: <laughs> Freedom's just another word for nothing left to lose. But it's um, but great song. But, uh, you just got to recognise, even in the um in that conference, the church and state conference, they openly said, oh, we won't mention some of the stuff we're doing because we'll go with the more palatable stuff. Mm. Like, it's it's marketing to wrap things up in yes. what will be more acceptable to people. So That
1: doesn't surprise me at all, Trevor. So the point is,
0: um, Christian people running articles which don't mention Christ and Jesus...
1: Oh, I see. So uh, you're linking could, it back to this article could, and saying, she's a devious Christian <laughs> and she's engaged in a conspiracy to make us all not think of sex as fun a- uh, a- because a- it's not the a- christian
2: way even a- if it's not a conspiracy her yeah. her upbringing her values have informed this article mm. quite possibly they have mm. my
1: values are not informed by by religion at all mm. i mean to be honest i think i think we're all influenced by uh, religious values Absolutely. to some extent because mm. it's it's right through well, our culture. Well,
0: Jordan Peterson would say that.
1: However, um, those of us who mm. are thinking atheists mm. have, I think, we've managed to tease apart you know, the religious basis for, for, for our moral framework. I right. don't think it necessarily has to be intimately linked with religion. I think you can have a view that may parallel a, a religious value of course, without being religious. So the mm, fact that of course. some Christians, you know, engage in this what seems to be deceptive practice to try and get Not. more people to their point of view, yeah, sure, I, I don't doubt that some do it, but that doesn't mean that freedom itself is a bad thing, I didn't or that non Christians uh, could have a very good argument for freedom.
0: Didn't say it was good, but <laughs> I, I just but all I said was. When he said she's a, would you say she's a Christian? Well, she's she's from,
2: her employer's Notre Dame University. Okay, then I said that's not surprising.
1: Do you do you imagine every person who works for Notre Dame University is a ardent Christian? Oh, gee, it'd be um, close. I would it'd say be that there is
2: there's some requirement. It'd be pretty close. Yep,
1: but they wouldn't necessarily be all sort of hardcore fundamentalist Christians. Oh, Notre Dame is a Catholic university. Yeah, it's a Catholic yeah, yeah, yeah. university and, and therefore it's far more likely to in be my In my university a, studies, mm. I went to the... Um, Australian the, Catholic University. Yeah, is over at Nudgee, is it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, to do some research for my mm. dissertation. Mm. And mm. I read quite a lot of stuff by Catholic scholars. And I have to say, they're a lot more intelligent and, what would you say, uh, broadly informed and then, deep thinking. They're not the evangelicals, no, correct. They're right. very, very different. And they're much more intellectually oriented, you know. I mean, not all of them, and I, I, I'm not saying I agreed with a lot of what I read, but they certainly impressed me with their. Oh, what's the word? They're they're just not simpletons, you know. They've they've studied things and they've read a lot of stuff, and they've,
3: they've... subtly appealed to you.
1: <laughs> no, no, I I wasn't at all influenced by their religious <laughs> views. I was an atheist when I was doing it, and uh, you know. I, I can read it and yeah. take from it what I think is of value and reject the rest.
0: Uh, anyway, I think when it comes to Notre Dame University, they would say, What church do you go to on Sunday? Who's your parish priest? Well, they might. I'd, I'd, I would think they would. They might. Mm. Um, I've been threatening to do this for a while and I would, yes. I'd like to thank the patrons. It's been a long, <laughs> long time. <laughs> so. Um, this time I'm going to start from the most recent and work our ways, to, uh, work my way to the oldest of and most long-standing of our patrons. So welcome aboard, Liam Healy, who joined in February. Good on you, Liam. He's been in the chat room tonight and um, he's come on board as a patron. Thank you also to um, Don Tuvey, Daniel Flanagan, Matt Dwyer, Sue Cripp, James Lean, Branwen, Wayne, David Hanby, Yvonne Panisi, Stephen Twigger, Shay... Shay Shailene, you need to stop (laughs) (laughs) with the patron uh, support. Go on and and stop that. Can't take a dollar off you every show. (laughs) P. Slizzle, LB, Craig Ball, Shane Ingram, Yam Yam Blue, Andrew Jackson, David Copley. Hey, David, we should have a school reunion this year somewhere if Tony Ivanetti pulls his finger out. So looking forward to seeing you there. Um, Mark Clark, Graham Hannigan, yet another Pinker fan, John in Dire Straits, Donnie Darko, Camille, Tom Doolan, Paul Waper. Thank you, Paul, also for your multiple contributions of beer over the years. Alexander Allen, Clinton Riggs, Matthew Craig S, Glenn Bell. That's my brother. Professor Dr Dentist, Adam Priest, Melinda, Murray Waper, Andy Dowling, Captain Doomsday. Captain Doomsday, uh, he's got through that bottle almost. I went down to the bottle shop and got him a crackin' uh, today. Thank you for that. You kept him going for quite a while. Peter Gillespie, Gavin S., Harry Watson, Daniel Curtin, Liam McMahon, Dominic DeMassi, Matic Man Palais, Bronwyn, uh, Kane Birch, Jimmy Spudd, Tony Wall, Steve Shinners, Allison, Ayame, Wayno, Landon Hardbottom, John Townsend, um, Craig Glasby. Going all the way back to 2006, uh, Janelle, and the one, the only, the all time best. 2016. Um, um, so yeah, 2016. What did I say? 2006. Sorry, 2016. And, uh, and of course, the first one was Sean, who said, you guys should start a Patreon. And uh, he went on board and became one of the first ones. So good on you. Some people don't like um, Patreon, and they do it by direct uh, PayPal. Before I mention them, thank you to Smiley Al, who does the intros. And the people who do it through PayPal are Mr. Anderson, Matt Mann, Paul Evans, Wayne Seaman, Anne Reed. Gerard, Terry, Obrad, Puscarica, Darren Giddens, uh, Wattley, and Greg Clark. So thank you and to all the beer sponsors over time as well. There are different expenses. We've got to host the website. The MP3 files get hosted somewhere else. We have this Restream subscription. There's The Guardian, Crikey, Inno Reader, The Australian, The Sydney Morning Herald, The Courier Mail, New York Times, Spectator at times and... Um, uh, so yeah, so there's a fair number of expenses. So to all of you who contribute, thank you very much. It is appreciated. Sorry I don't mention you more often. If you are a patron and you want to chat at any time, send me an email and we can have a chat and a talk about anything. Right. How are we going for time?
2: Five past nine.
0: Jeez, Mrs. Fist will not be happy. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yes, but Harden will. well. <laughs> Landing hard bottom.
0: He's put the sharks back for the time being. He's feeding them with fish scraps and won't need <laughs> to suspend Shay over the shark tank while we argue about things. Ah, oh, I think I think the other stuff we should just wait till next week. I think. Okay. Yeah, Shay says yes. Yes, stop. <laughs>
1: I don't want to rush through yeah. juicy stuff like the that.
3: Smiling the Smiling Observer. The, the Smiling Observer. Okay, all right,
0: we'll put that one down. Yeah. Shay suggested My mum even
3: said, like, I want to hear more from you. All
1: right.
0: Yeah. Who's the Smiling
3: <laughs> Observer? So, Shay. My mum. Yeah. Oh, is the suggestion. Smiling
0: Observer. Yeah. Mel J says she stands <laughs> with Landon. <laughs> all right, we better stop. Thank you to the people in the chat room. Looks like really good comments in there and your contributions are great. Talk to you next week. Bye for now.
1: Bye, everyone.
2: Bye. Good night from him. Thanks for seeing me, Doc. Um, I started listening to the Iron Fist and Velvet Glove, you know, just once a week to take the edge off. And now I can't stop. I'm downloading and listening to back copies almost every day. I need your help, please.
0: Well, dear listener.